The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the Optimism Doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. Where do you find yourself on the continuum of the negative and positive impacts of social media? Is it more of a negative space fueling validation through every like, follow, and comment? Or is it somewhat of a benefit used for self-expression, networking, career expansion, and sometimes even self-growth? It's confusing because I don't know about you, but it can be all of that in a matter of a moment of use for me. There are so many ups and downs to it, but I think it's safe to say that the majority of people understand the consequences of prolonged toxic social media usage. Study after study links the detrimental impacts of social media and how it is correlated to depression and anxiety. Like the study found in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology that concludes that there is a causal link between the use of social media and negative effects on well-being, primarily an increase in depression and loneliness. How many times have you asked yourself, I wonder how many hours a day I spend on social media, or at some point even tried to calculate it? But what if I told you that we may have been asking the wrong question all along and that there's an even more interesting question at hand, not necessarily the quantity of time spent in social media, but more so the quality of how you're using it when you are. Recent research out of Stanford helps us to understand that that's a better way and a better place to start on your quest to creating your own better feeling boundaries around this double-edged sword of a topic. My guest on today's episode is internet personality and professional meme, seriously, just check her LinkedIn, Jilly Hendricks. We talk about all the benefits and consequences of social media, the online bullying, the exploration and beauty of being able to self-express and share through these platforms, the pursuit for personal growth and understanding, and the necessity for social responsibility, researching and taking accountability before making a post. There's so much to unpack in this episode, so take a listen and get ready to explore why the algorithm isn't always the best thing for you. How we start the Looking Up podcast, we get into some rapid fire style questions to get to know you a little bit more intimately. Cool. So without much thought or judgment, is there a book that you have read that has actually changed the way in which you live your life? Yes. The Untethered Soul. I don't know if you've read that one, mm-hmm. but I love that book about your inner roommate. And it's kind of like, you know, would you talk to yourself or would you let a friend talk to you the way that you talk to yourself? And so kind of trying to change that narrative in your brain. So I've actually read that book like three times in the past few years. It's amazing. Yeah. I feel like that is something we all have to read right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> for sure. Okay. People think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. So I have no idea what people think about me, truthfully. (laughs) I don't know if we're talking about friend-wise or online, but I'm not quite sure really like how people perceive me. I kind of never really have let that affect me. So I don't really, I don't know. I've, I've actually been waiting for someone to respond to that question in that way. Yeah. And for some reason, because like when, when I thought about that question, I had a very similar, like, oh, I have no idea how people perceive me. And then for me, it was much more about 
well, I think people perceive me because of what I do as happy and positive all the time, which is far from the truth. And I've been getting a lot of, for experts in the field that are sort of like in that world, like something similar. And I always wondered from someone like you, if there was something with that to do with the fact of like, you're so like my perception of you is like, you're just hilarious and like so funny. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like what you were saying, people like perceive you to be happy. It's probably because that's what you're putting out on your social media and, you know, on the internet. And I think people have that sort of whatever you put out on social, that's what they're judging you as. And that's really just like a part of you. It's not all of you. So I feel like that's, you know, probably why people think that. I feel the same way. I'm like, people look at my account or, you know, the work that I've done and they're like, you're, you know, I don't know, closed off weirdo or like, you're really funny. You must be like super personable. And like, I'm actually more reserved when I first meet people and shy, you know? So I feel like it's like, people have this like perception of you based off of your internet persona. Totally. So true. Describe yourself as a teenager in three words, like the high school years. Three words. Okay. So I was always very kind to everyone. So I'm going to say kind. I would say that I was kind of the life of the party, which isn't really one word, but I will say that I was very social. I wanted to be at everything, student council, the whole thing. And then insecure. I was definitely very insecure in high school. And when was the last time that you cried? Saturday. I got a puppy on Friday. The first dog that I'm raising on my own. She's eight weeks old now. And we were up every hour because I am crate training her and she was crying. And I wasn't sure if that meant she had used the restroom or she was just like, you know, getting used to the crate. So I was like taking her out every hour and I don't have any kids, but I was like, I cannot believe mothers because this puppy's hard work. Like I can't even imagine children. Yes. And that like whole sleepless thing lasts for a really long time. Yes. Um, What are three things that have brought you joy today? So I would have to say iced lattes Mm -hmm. always bring me joy. Just love going for my walk and getting a nice coffee exercise because I do that every day, even if it's just walking or some like quick, you know, YouTube video of something. I love to just like move my body. I always feel better after and happier. And then my puppy, who I love. Totally. What kind of puppy is it? Golden Retriever. Oh, yeah. She's very cute. Very cute. Oh my gosh. So cute. Okay. Jumping right in on LinkedIn. I love that your title is that your title's meme. Yeah. (laughs) It's just meme. just that on there. I don't know. I love that. I mean, I'm a meme of myself, I guess. What does that mean to you? Basically, I've had a lot of different careers, I would say, and they're all kind of lead back to, you know, whatever's like trending in culture and kind of having that larger focus on like explaining the internet to the internet, I like to say. Yeah. But I've definitely had like different avenues of doing that. I used to be a DJ. I had a podcast called Lady Lovin' for almost four years. That was about like dating. I had like a funny Instagram account. I had a tech startup. I had a bunch of other projects that I worked on. Uh, So I feel like I'm a meme myself. I've had all of these jobs and I've tried all these things. So I just put me down there. It's the best way to describe it. (laughs) I love that. You're like a true multi-hyphenate. Like there's just so much. And I think that is like becoming so much more common. It kind of started, I feel like, where people would have like one job. And then like, I remember reading a statistic a little while back, like 
literally the majority of millennials had a side hustle. Yeah. And now I feel like most of us have just like a series of, I don't even know if we call them side, but just like a series of hustles. And that's sort of what exactly. makes up. And, and it's kind of, it's pretty cool and kind of interesting, like being able to do so many different types of things. Yeah. I feel like also I needed to try a bunch of things to figure out what I liked. I felt like I went to college and everyone was like, pick a career and pick a lane. Like, who are you? And I really had no idea. And I majored in hospitality, even though I really wanted to write because I, my dad was like, you need a business background. And then I worked at a talent agency, even though I wanted to be talent, you yes. know, because I was like, it's business. And then I finally was like, you know what? I got to give this a shot. And I loved music. So I was like, I'm going to DJ. That got me to New York. And then I lived there for a while and just started like meeting people and pursuing other things. And yeah. So cool. Kind of where I started hearing about you was your notes to selfie. Yeah. They were just so relatable and so good. I remember like one of them that I recently like re-saw was, um, I mean, there's like, there's so many of them that are so relatable and you just like literally laugh out loud reading them. But one of them was like, like, why is it called happy hour when everyone just sits there and like complains about their job all the time? Yeah. (laughs) Like there's nothing happy about that. (laughs) That was when... I had a office job and yes. I was like sitting there writing these like dark notes being like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Why did you create notes to selfie and where did that come from? And I know like a lot of them had to do with like dating. Yeah. Well, I was kind of depressed in New York working in an office job and I was DJing also on the side. So I kind of had like this part-time social media job, also DJing, dating in my twenties in New York living the life, but, you know, trying to figure out like who I was. And so I started writing these notes because basically I would write these funny captions on my Instagram photos. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Like, what if I just did them on their own? And it was kind of about the time, like when memes were first starting to take off, like the fat Jewish and fuck Jerry had like 2 million followers each. You know what I mean? This was like early, (laughs) early days. I just decided like, what if I just made my captions into their own posts So I was writing like the notes in my phone and then I was posting them. And then the more people liked them and related to them, I was like, oh, this is great. And so I just kept going. That's what I really want to dig into is this idea of being transparent and raw and sort of open on social media. And I know like it's come a long way since even 2016 and more people are doing it now, but it's still something Mm -hmm. that is not necessarily the total norm. Like, I feel like it's still, we still live in a very filtered life. Where did you kind of get the courage to be raw and real? Is it like a comedic background type of thing? Or is it just who you are? And you were like, I'm going to put this out there. And the more sort of like relatable it was, you know, you're like, okay, this is cool. People are getting this and they, they like it and they feel the same way. And I feel less alone and they feel less alone. And what was going through your mind with it? And how did you get the courage to sort of like so early on just put yourself and your experience out there? I think what helped honestly was the likes and the comments. You know, I think that if I were to post that and it got like three likes and no comments, I'd be like, e, this is like not great. So unfortunately, I will say that, yeah, the likes kept me going. But I also, I like sharing my feelings and people relating to them or, you know, being more honest about what people are going through or what I'm experiencing. Um, I've always been that way. Even when I was younger, like, 
you know, if I, if I spilled coffee on myself, I'm not going to like run in the bathroom and hide it. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, well, like this happened. So that's like kind of always been my personality, but I did actually have to stop notes to my selfie after a few years because I felt like, you know, I was trying to like figure out how to love myself and I've been experiencing a lot of depression and going through like a dark time. And I kept writing these like Mm self-deprecating things. And as I was trying to grow, I felt like it was too connected to like who I was. And I was, I was essentially just making fun of myself. Yes. And I feel like now I can write about that time in my life or, you know, past experiences like in a different way because I've done like the, the mental health work. But at that point I hadn't. So like when I would say something, and again, like we were saying, this was very early on. So everyone wasn't as transparent with their emotions. No one really was talking about like depression or anxiety as much as like we are now. So, you know, I would write something and post it and then you know, people I'd go on a date and people would think that like, I was this, like, that's who I was. Or I was like, you know, it wasn't fulfilling me. And then as, like I said, as I was trying to grow, it was, I just felt very stuck. Yeah. Like it was almost holding you down or keeping you. And And it's interesting because a lot of artists, oftentimes when they, and this is, you know, my work in LA and, and doing my fellowship here and all my clinical psych hours here, a lot of people in the industry were clients of mine. And it's just this pattern sometimes of it's so beautiful to be able to express and sort of express your struggle through art. But at mm-hmm. the same time, as you grow and build, like there's this fear sometimes that like, wait, will I still be as good if I like don't have I'm the, happy? Right. If I'm happy. Yeah, for sure. I feel that all the time. I'm like much happier you know, I'm still creating things and writing and I think my writing's actually gotten stronger, but I feel like I'm not able to be like what I was with that with that persona that I had created that people like fell in love with. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. No, I like, totally I'm, get that. I've changed from that and like now it's on to the next project, which is like fine. But like, you know, when you're putting stuff on Instagram, like people go to that specific account for that mm-hmm. specific mindset. It's very hard to like change an account. You know what I mean? Yes. Versus like changing you're creating a movie and then you release another movie, I feel like that's okay. But like when you put st- like one idea on one account and it's just photos of the sky and then you move to like photos of plants, people right. are like, what? You know right. what I mean? So it's like hard to figure out the balance. So then I kind of just went to my own account and started posting there. And every once in a while I've, you know, been playing with notes to myself. <laughs> I'm like, should I bring it back? Should I post this? But it'll never be, I feel like what it was in that moment of time which I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah. It's like such a big part of of self-growth is like really getting to know yourself and mm-hmm. getting to know sort of what makes you tick, what sets you off, what makes you feel anxious, what, you know, makes you lose sleep, you know, what brings you joy, what, you know, puts you in a state of awe, what makes, mm-hmm. what inspires you, all these things that actually require like real time and space to go within. And I just feel like we are definitely living a type of life where that type of focused, intentional time is sort of not as prioritized. Definitely. And not even just because people don't think it's important. I think like, A, we've kind of lost the ability to know how to do it. And then like we just live these really fast paced lives where everything to be on and to be active, like whether it's work or on social media or everything gets blended together. And there, it feels like there isn't that dedicated time. And if we took it, it would be indulgent or, 
until it's too late. And then you're like, oh, I need this. And so I think that's so interesting that so much comes back to figuring out who am I really right now? Yeah. What you said about like taking the time, I actually, I'm Jewish. I grew up Jewish, but I grew up very reformed. And so I wanted to kind of see what it would be like to be more religious. So I actually started observing Shabbat. And so I didn't use my phone from Friday night to Saturday night or any electricity at all. So I used the lights in my apartment, but I didn't like, um, like if my friend wanted to meet up, I had to say, I can meet you at 2 PM on Saturday at this place. But like, there's no changing plans. And because of that, I didn't really have that many plans, to be honest. And I had that Friday night to Saturday night to just think by myself, not have any distractions. Like I read more, I wrote down things and I just kind of shut down. Like no one could contact me for work. I wasn't looking at social media. I wasn't like talking to my family or friends. And I think like having that break in the week really also helped me just figure out like, help me like refocus, you know? And I do think that like, with this time everyone has with quarantine and, you know, not going to the office and having more alone time. Like, I think that is one positive thing that's going to come out of this is people are hopefully going to, you know, spend more time by themselves and relaxing and not feeling like they have to go, go, go. That is so interesting. What is your relationship with social media? Like, can you describe it? So for me, I use it as a place to test ideas. That's kind of how I see it. I try, I used to be very obsessed with like, if I posted something and it didn't get likes, I need to remove it because it was a reflection on the quality of the work. Mm. But I really changed that viewpoint. I think if it's something that I'm proud of and something that I, you know, worked hard on, whether like it's a video or a joke, you know, if it doesn't perform well, that's not like a reflection of the work. I think that's like a big thing that people get really caught up in is like the engagement aspect of it. But that's something that I really try to not look at. And then, you know, I don't really like go on it and like compare myself to other people or what they're doing. I think that's something that I used to do in the past. And I know a lot of people do that. And it's hard to sort of like you put yourself in a category and then you see other people in your category yeah. and you're like, well, they're doing this and they're better at this and their photos getting more likes and whatever. But it's sort of just like, you kind of have to stay true to your own lane. And I think that like, that's a really important thing that I've learned recently. How do you actually implement that? So is it about avoiding looking and spending time? Is it a time thing or like avoid looking at other people in your sort of lane or category? And so therefore not comparing, or is it like you've gotten to a point where you actually can engage and look and you've sort of practiced and trained your mind to not go there? It's a little bit of both. There's my favorite button is the mute button. Mm. I think that everyone should take advantage of it. I don't think of it as like a negative way if I'm muting someone. What is the mute button? I don't like this is something I need to know. I don't even know what the mute button is. You can mute people's stories and posts. Um, on your feed so you don't have to unfollow them. Oh. And so I actually do that with a lot of people that are doing similar things to me. And I don't do it in a way of like a malicious way. It's just like, I know that sometimes I'll see that and then maybe it'll bother me or maybe like it'll affect the art that I'm making. I don't want that. So sometimes I just like will go through phases of like muting people or yeah. I think that's so important and so interesting. And it really like, it really illustrates sort of a pop culture way of a really, really, really important psychological tool, which I think is one of our greatest tools, which is called boundary setting. Yes, It's literally like the ability to create boundaries and 
there's some really, really important research that was done recently, actually led some classes for Soho House on mental health and social media usage. And the majority of people's first thought is, is of course, that like social media is really bad for humans. And it is, you know, for a number of reasons that I think we're all very accustomed to. And I actually want to get into that with you. But what's so interesting is that recent research found that everyone focuses on time. There's tons of apps out there that focus on time. Like it times how much you use social media and it comes built in into our iPhones now or other types of phones. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just like the research actually shows it's the mental health and social media usage is not about time and duration. It's about how you're using it. And so we're missing this like huge point. And I think like, you know, like so many things, social media and technology is here to stay. I talk a lot about this idea of taking a social network sweep. And I mean it Mm -hmm. in like real life, but also extending to your internet life. And, you know, if someone that you follow, just like if someone that you're friends with in your life doesn't bring you the best feelings and not everyone's going to bring you the best feelings, but if they actually bring you negative feelings over and over and you've tested it and it sort of is a dampening on your energy, then like it's okay and it's totally fine to reduce time spent with this person and similarly to like unfollow. And I like this idea though of you may follow someone that you don't want to unfollow and it may not be that this person does anything wrong or you guys have had any confrontation, but in actuality, they might sort of squash your creativity or make you judge yourself or compare because we as humans do that. And so I want to put that very Mm -hmm. clearly out there. If you're doing that, you're normal. Like that is what we were trained to do. And so being able to mute is such a powerful tool and a proactive tool in in being able to have a healthier relationship with social media. And I think also like the other thing to remember too, which is something that I always remember is there's room for everyone. So like, I think a lot of the time you do see someone similar to you online. And I think I I talk a lot about from like a work perspective, because that's how I use social media, not just from a, here's me like at the beach with my friends or whatever. But I think a lot of people will see someone similar and be like, well, they're doing this or I need to do this better. And I think you always have to remember that there is room for everyone and you just really need to stick to like what you're doing to the best of your ability and believe in yourself and have like a clear vision of what you want, regardless of what everyone else is doing. So like, I, I just like, I will repeat to myself sometimes if I'm feeling down on myself or if I'm like, just having a rough day, like stay in your lane, remember your lane. Like I just imagine myself like on my own, like highway, you know what I mean? It's like No one else is doing what I'm doing. I'm just like, I got to keep on like continuing up, you know, but it's like, it's really hard to do that. And yeah. I, I think that I've definitely not done that my whole life. It's just where I'm at now. One app that actually I think is kind of triggering is TikTok. I will say I've been spending a lot of time on TikTok and the algorithm just uh, sends you videos, right? Sometimes based on like what videos you've watched the longest or just whatever they want to send you. I'm not quite sure exactly what their algorithm is, but your feed is an algorithm that they've created for you. And recently I've seen like a lot of fitness and diet ones and Mm. then I'll watch all of them because I'm interested in it. And then I'm getting fed more and more fitness and diet ones because those are the ones that I'm watching. Yeah, And I've kind of been like, oh, I need to like 
get off TikTok because I'm like compare, like not comparing, but I'm like, oh, I should eat this diet or I should do this workout. But it has me like very worried for like if I was 16 on TikTok watching like this is how you get abs in two weeks and watching all these like gorgeous young girls with like amazing bodies talking about like what they're eating in one day and exercising. It's like, and I was that same age, I would feel, I wouldn't know how to process that or what to do with that. And I feel like I would probably need help with that. So that has me like a little bit more worried than I think the Instagram thing. Personally, if I were to have kids right now, I'd be more about TikTok. Yeah. I can see the like danger in that just like also not even, I mean, especially for, for youth and in that example you shared, but also just like, it just like is ingraining and driving in like the same thought, even if it's a negative thought you have over and over instead of exposing you to something that you might be challenged by or expand. Yeah. You know, which can be for many different things, like, you know, whether it's being exposed to a different culture or a different thought process or a political view, or it just like seems a bit, a bit dangerous to just be thrown down your throat, like the same thing that you're already thinking to keep making it more true and more true and more true. Well, with Instagram, you're choosing what's in your feed and with TikTok, you're not. And like, Mm. also there's tons of plastic surgeons on there now that are like, oh, this is how um, Bella Hadid, like, this is what she did. And this is how you can look like her. Right. And of course the app is all young people. So you have all these young people being like, oh, I could just do this. Like if I was like young and there was an ad for a plastic surgeon, like I would be like, oh, let me look at this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And the rates of plastic surgery and like young, literally like in the teens are like, it's so high right now. Yeah. What other things do you think go into this, how social media concept can be detrimental to the mental health of others and especially young women? I think bullying for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, a bunch of my friends were on a reality show when I was young and I was never on it. But, you know, when we went out, I'd get photographed in like the background. And I was like 19 or 20. And this was like when people were writing like blog posts on WordPress, you know, this was like before social media. And I used to read all these negative things about myself and I like internalized all of them for forever And like, it took a while for me to like get past all of those comments and figure out, you know, like my self-worth and all that. And this is from someone that wasn't even on the TV show. You know what I mean? And so I can't imagine referring to Laguna. Laguna Yeah. I think it was like Laguna Beach, the real OC. Oh yeah. Okay. But like, I couldn't imagine like, you know, the bullying that goes on on social media because like now people will say comments to me, they'll make like comments about my weight or my looks or like, you know, whatever. And it's like, I'm like, I don't care. You know, like I'm old enough now to like be okay. Like that doesn't bother me. But if I'm young, I would definitely be, you know, really challenged by that. So I think like bullying is like a huge, huge thing. Like even, you know, like you look at that TikTok star, Charlie D'Amelio, who's 16. I can't pronounce her name because I'm a really bad time pronouncing all names, but people will like make comments on, they'll be like, you're fat, you're this, you're that. And she's like just a 16 year old normal girl. And she's you know, made tons of videos about like how like the bullying is bad and all of that. But like, I just couldn't even imagine being that age and dealing with like as much online hate as I'm sure most of these young kids are getting from like putting themselves out there. Yeah. And it's not even the one, not even just the like ones have become quote unquote famous. It's like, I can't, I have so much empathy for like 
high school and middle school kids that are just living in regular school world with also, it's already hard enough to be, you know, that age. And there's certain things that you learn socially, but like then throw on top of it, like social media. Yeah. Well, it's like, even people will say in high school, people probably would say things, uh, meaner things than they would like when they're adults, right? Imagine like hiding behind a screen. You're saying much worse. You know what I mean? So it's like the bullying that any of us got in high school is probably nothing compared to like what people are getting when they're, you know, behind the screen. Absolutely. Vice versa. How do you use comedy in, in what you do and where did that come from? And is that a really big part of sort of your presence on, on social media and, um, in your work world? Yeah. So I really like to make fun of like all of the things we all like obsess about in culture. I think it's like fun to bring light to it. So whether that's like, you know, how we were all obsessed with like a certain exercise or like uh, matcha or kale, you know what I mean? Just like, it's like funny to think that like kale's trending, you know what I mean? So I love to just like bring light to those situations or gender reveals. That was something that I love (laughs) to talk about because I think it's just so funny that like people are like, okay, let's think of like the weirdest way to like tell everyone that we're having a boy or a girl, you know? And it's like, who might not even identify as a boy or a girl in the future? Like, I don't know. It's just, I think it's really fun to bring light to those sort of things. And I love, I love using like comedy and and just making fun of it and making fun of myself too, because I love it all as well. You know what I mean? Like everything I talk about and I make fun of, like I'm doing, (laughs) but it's just fun to talk about. (laughs) How have you used that same mentality during like the quarantine? So in the beginning, it was like interesting to make jokes about being like, in solitude, you know, Mm -hmm. but as it progressed, it got a little more challenging. And obviously as it got more severe, you know, it's like, I never want to offend anyone or make light of like certain situations that are as, as dark as what we're going through right now. So that is something that like was a little bit challenging. I would say, I think like recently social media has been like very, been very hard to figure out like what the what the right thing to say is and not in a sense of wanting to just like I think that there's sometimes where it's important to be silent yes even if you are trying to you know I I try to post something every day but I do think that like there's been certain times where like okay stop talking or only talk about helping others in this time even though your focus is on comedic trends you know So I think like knowing that, but I will say it's definitely like, I think the social media world is changing a lot. And I think what people want to see is really different than what they wanted to see in January. Mm. And what do you think they want to see? (laughs) I'm still trying to figure that out, but I think just, I think different voices for sure. I think people really want to hear from different people, not just the same people. And I think that diverse voices definitely. And I think like originality. I mean, even if you think about like television shows, like my favorite show right now is called I May Destroy You. Mm. It's on HBO. It's by a woman named Michaela Coelho, I think is her last name. I'm again, I am horrible at pronouncing everyone's name, so I apologize. But she wrote the whole entire series herself and she had no writer's room. And it's a beautiful, beautiful series. And I think like also just really genuine content that Mm -hmm. is like created from like your soul. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. like this, Michaela created this like phenomenal TV show about her like past experience with sexual abuse. And 
it's smart, it's funny, you'll cry, it's great. And I think when people create like very real content, you know, that doesn't matter if they're going to get a lot of likes or whatever, I think that really will outshine all of the other junk that's out there. (laughs) So I think people really want to see more of that. I'm just using her TV show as an example because I think it was so great and I haven't seen anything like that on television. No, I totally agree. It's like, I feel like we're in this space right now, even like with how we consume anything, whether it's in social media or material things or where we're being like, just setting aside the fluff and the clutter. And even, even in like the self-help world, like Mm -hmm. where we want to sort of like put aside all the clutter and fluff. And we just want to like spend our time investing, whether it's our energy or our resources on like a few very authentic, meaningful things that we actually like have intentionally like thought about that we're getting something from and that we're giving something to. We're seeing it in so many different capacities, whether it is social media and the consumption of who we follow or whether it's like the type of news or stories we want to hear or the type of mediums of TV shows that we want to listen to or even the podcasts that we want to listen to. We're really becoming more selective and and intentional about what we consume. And stuff, we want more meaningful things, you know? And I think that's like goes back to social media. Like if someone's doing something that you think they're just doing it for likes or it's like a stupid prank or there's not like a passion behind it. Right. You know, even if it's just a post, I think people are over it. <laughs> I feel like it's almost like we needed, like that bubble was going to pop. And it's almost like yeah. in gravity, like whatever was kind of up was like going to have to come down. And so For sure. in terms of all the consumption that was happening, and like you said, the like noise, there was just so much. And like, if you bring it back to something more neuro related, which is just because I always bring everything back to neuro science, you know, our brains have a limited attentional capacity. We can't actually like think about everything all the time at the same time. And we have to like, our brains are trained to be selective and that's how they're efficient. And so we're starting to have to do that because it's just too much. Like we were just exposed to too much all at once. Using comedy and sort of a lightness also is helpful and it's a tool and it is a resiliency tool. And so... I think that you've actually like mastered that in a, you know, respectable and a like moral way in the middle of a pandemic. I try. It's hard to balance though, because like you'll say something funny and then someone will be like, well, why aren't you talking about what just happened the other day? And it's like, well, I am talking about that too. Right. You know, it's like, it's hard. It is hard to, because, you know, you want to because I do care. It's not even want to sh- that I want to show that I want to care. It's like, I do care. And I, and I give back and do a bunch of charity, but I don't necessarily post it all online. You know what I mean? And it's like, when you have an online presence, you, there is like a balance of like, I never used to share any of the charity work that I did on my social just because it wasn't like, you know, now I feel like if I don't, people don't think I do anything. You know right. what I mean? But it's, which I don't like because I don't really want to like be posting stuff just because like, people are like, or, you know, just to show that I'm doing something. I don't think that means anything, which is, I had a huge problem with the black box social media post and with the, the black and white challenge. Oh yeah. Women, you know, I just think that like a lot of times everyone's hopping on stuff and I posted the black post and then I deleted it after I like read more about it because I was like, oh, this isn't helping anyone. This is just basically 
this is not like what we should be doing. But I just think that a lot of times people think that they need to share stuff on social without doing the research or without knowing why they're doing it. And then it just like ends up clouding everyone's feeds instead of like, and missing the whole point of what the, what we're supposed to be doing or what we're supposed to be helping, you know? Right. And with that black and white photo challenge, I as well posted one. And then like just a little bit after, before I actually even knew where it originally came from, I sort of was feeling this like, it sort of started to become very quickly like this popularity contest. Yeah. And I felt like people, like women were like, that who were not being like challenged or invited to it were feeling like kind of bad. And people were using it as like a, hey, I got I got challenged. And it, it was this weird like popularity thing. And so I very quickly like changed in the comment section or the caption. And I was like, I said exactly what I was saying right now. And and if you're reading this, like I challenge you or you don't have to wait to be challenged to support other women. Like, please just, you know, accept this as a, like all women should support women. And the whole purpose of it, like shouldn't be this like popularity contest of waiting to be challenged by someone and showing like who you were challenged by. And so it's just interesting. I think like at the core of it, most humans, we want to do good. And yeah. For sure. I think anyone that posted that is like thinking, oh, I'm a, right. doing this in a negative way no. or even the black box. Right. And right. I think like, and I'm all for like women empowering women, of course. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you want to post something and other people are, because there was a lot of people that were like, well, why are you hating on this? It's women supporting women. And I'm like, all for that. Support women, do it every day. You know what I mean? Right. But like I think this specific thing would have been more meaningful if people actually posted what, the challenge was for and right. like raising awareness for that specific thing versus right. like, you know what I mean? So I think like, that's the biggest thing is like, you know, what is this photo of yourself doing to like raise awareness for why this actually started? Totally. And then people were like, it's like, what if everyone posted a photo of Brianna Taylor? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Instead, right. that would have been more meaningful. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's just not enough thought sometimes behind right. like exactly what we're you know, everyone just jumps on something without even... I think like it's just this sort of line that we keep vacillating between, you know, kind of what you said before, like we're in this place where we want to share and we want to collaborate and we want to be open and we want to be transparent, but we're also like nervous about not doing the right thing or um, doing it wrong or doing it incorrectly. And then we're also vacillating between just sort of our human nature, which is to like follow along and be on autopilot and also on the flip side, wanting to to stop and be intentional. And so there's all this happening. I was to say, it's the same thing with like what you read online. Like someone will, you know, post a uh, news article link or someone will say something and maybe it's someone, you know, and you're like, oh, this is true. Or this news link is true. But it's like really like nothing's true unless you like really do the research and read multiple news like articles about it and all of that. And I think like that's something we're realizing more about social media. Whereas Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people know that about like news, you know, but I think that's like a new thing that we're dealing with, with social more than ever before. I totally agree. And I want to just jump back really quickly before we end. And just like, how do you think that your comedy right now in this moment, and I know we sort of talked about the idea of, you know, trying to know your place and how much light you can make of in a situation that, you know, is a sensitive situation. But 
Um, how do you think comedy has actually been helping in this situation? And is there an example of something? So I think like, I always like to educate now too, besides just, you know, I think previously before I used to write a lot of like dating jokes and a lot of like relationship and personal experiences. Whereas now, since I'm talking about like cultural things, I like to, you know, educate and then like add in a few funny things about the like whether I'm like, you know, recently talking about like TikTok houses being like the new boy bands, like what, you know, the new One Direction or like the five boys like lip singing on TikTok and kind of like making some humor about that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like bringing education to it. I think that makes sense. And lastly, what's looking up for you? What is something that we can be excited about that you're working on or just even if not that and nothing that you're working on right now, or I'm sure you're working on a ton of things, but what are you optimistic about? So I'm really excited because I'm working on hopefully getting a TV project off the ground that is pretty much about everything that I've been talking about online for the past year. So I'm very excited about that. So I think that is looking up for me. And then just honestly, like trying to stay positive and put out as much good content as possible that people are interested in. I love that. And lastly, how we end this podcast is all of my guests pick a card. Well, I pick one for you because we're doing this remotely from my things are looking up optimism deck of cards. Okay. So it's sort of like your homework and it's at random. Okay. This one's your card. All right. Schedule a time to volunteer your time to an organization or a person in need in any way that seems doable and good to you. I feel like this sort of is back to stuff you already do and what you talked about. And it's just another, these are all um, ways to holistically or science from a science-based perspective, increase optimism and joy and resiliency. And so that's your homework. I can't wait to hear about what you end up doing. I will let you know. And you don't have to post about it because we talked about that. You can do it on your own. Yeah. Well, it was so good catching up. Thank you so much. This was- Thank you for having me. So inspiring. And I think like just the conversation around mental health and social media, and especially right now is is so key and so helpful. And you imparted us with so many amazing tips. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Looking Up. For more optimistic content, follow me at Dr. Deepika Chopra. For more info and how to get your very own Things Are Looking Up Optimism deck of cards, head to thingsarelookingup.com. If you like what you hear and you want to support the show, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our theme music is Me and Shaw Day by Tommy, courtesy of Terrible Records. I'm your host, Dr. Deepika Chopra, and I'll see you next Monday for your weekly dose of optimism.